Somebody praise the Lord. Come on, somebody praise the Lord. Oh, somebody praise the Lord. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Why don't you lift up your voice and just express what you feel for a moment. I feel the presence of the Lord in this place. I feel that the joy of the Lord is my strength. I feel that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I feel that no weapon formed against me is able to prosper. I feel like blessing the Lord at all times. I feel like entering his gates with thanksgiving. I feel like entering his courts with praise. I feel like blessing his holy name. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. I wonder if you just lift up your hands in the presence of the king as a sign of faith, as a sign of surrender, as a sign of expectation that says, God, I haven't come here with my agendas. I haven't come here locked up in chains. I have come here with an open heart. I relinquish my control to you, but I've come with a faith in your word, a faith in your name that before I leave this place, I'm going to receive an anointing of your spirit and power inside of me. Oh, would you shout hallelujah. Second Timothy chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. Amen. It is good to be home. Amen. My wife and I are so thankful to be home at New Life Austin. Good to be with my covering, my pastor, brother and sister Shaw. We love them. And we love this church. And we just pause for a moment just to say thank you so much for your love, your support, and your prayers. It has meant everything to my family and I. We love you dearly. Second Timothy and 1 verse 5 through 8 is a familiar passage of Scripture. Let's go to this word today. Paul says to his son in the gospel, Timothy, he says, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith or the genuine faith that is in thee. Somebody say, it's in thee. <laughs> Maybe you need to say, it's in y'all. That's a little better. That's the Texas translation. Which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I'm persuaded that it is in you. It's in thee also. It is in there. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee. It's in you by the putting on of my hands. For God hasn't given us the spirit of fear but of power. Everybody say power. Everybody say love. Everybody say a sound mind. Verse 8, be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. I want to preach to you this morning where gifts are revealed. Where gifts are revealed. One more time, just wave a hand to the Lord and say, I'm ready for your word, Jesus. Everybody say, in Jesus' name, you may be seated. If you've got any more room on the monitor, pump me up. Amen. Amen. Last April, I'm trying not to say the words 2020 anymore, but 
just so you know, for reference of time, it was in that that year, 2020. And uh, my wife and I had gone to Oregon, where she's from. Our schedule had been sort of evaporated right before our eyes when the shutdown happened. We thought, what do we do now? We travel full time. Our schedule is booked for this year and some of next year. And we're thinking, what do we do now? And and uh, she said, well, let's, let's go to Oregon. She doesn't get to see her family very much. We don't get to see either of our families too often because of travel. But we said, let's go on a road trip. Drive from here to Portland, Oregon, where her dad pastors there. And we'll stop at some sites and see some things, you know. And it was unfortunate as we set out on the journey, we realized everything was shut down. <laughs> National parks, hotels, restaurants. We ended up driving straight through without stopping other than for gas and we got there, and of course, it was a precarious time for everybody. And for us, there was a peace of God that passed all understanding, but yet there was an uncertainty still there lingering in our minds. What now? We've all said that in the last year. What now? And I remember praying, and it was sometime around April that the Lord gave me just a word of direction. The Lord said, I... If you will seek me early, then I'll tell you what you're going to do. I'll reveal to you my plan for you. And the Lord even said, I'll reveal my secrets to you if you will seek me early in the morning. And, and I don't like early in the morning, so I was thinking, well, okay, about 10 a.m. is good. God, that, that's about early for me. And, uh, and then the scripture came to me. God gave me a scripture in Hosea 5 and 15. That in the last part of that verse, it says, In their affliction. Everybody say affliction. Affliction. It's kind of hard to hear y'all with the mask. You might have to say it a little louder. Everybody say affliction. <laughs> there you go. Use your diaphragm. Take a deep breath. In their affliction, the scripture says, They will seek me early. I really don't like that word. So I looked it up in the Hebrew. I found that, unfortunately, the word early in the Hebrew does mean early. However, it does have a deeper meaning in the Hebrew. And not only does it mean early, but it specifically is defined in the Hebrew as to diligently seek early. <laughs> to diligently seek early. And the verse says, in their affliction. They will seek me early. I looked up the word affliction and it was translated or defined as a tight place of distress. A tight place. A tight place of distress where we have all found ourselves throughout the last several months. The Lord spoke through that verse that there's something about a tight place that will cause you to do things you've never done before. I thought about that tight place that, that squeezes, that tight place that presses. Oftentimes revealing the contents on the inside, which may seem unsavory. But when squeezed, it brings out like a sponge, both good and bad. I really wanted to stop and get a bunch of scrub daddies and just pass them out to everybody. Those are expensive. And not many daddies do the dishes. I don't know why they call it the scrub daddy, but this is just a generic sponge. But it's like that sponge that it may look dry on the outside, and this one is dry because I don't want to get fired, but... but it looks dry and everything looks all right. Everything looks okay. Everything looks in order on the outside until it's squeezed. And when squeezed, it reveals the contents on the inside. It's interesting because our everlasting father, he's, he's not like a biological father like myself who I would never allow my son nor would I want to put my son intentionally in a place of affliction. I may allow him to fall off his little scooter when his mommy says no, but I would never want my son to go through a tight place of distress. 
But he's not my biological father. He is my everlasting father who will never leave me nor forsake me, whose ways are higher than my own. And understands the end from the beginning, knowing what's best for me and knowing that if I don't go through some tight places, it won't reveal what needs to be removed and what needs to be released. In Deuteronomy. Chapter eight. You'll find where the Lord says to the Israelites. He says in verse two, he says, you shall remember that the Lord, your God, led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you. To know what was in your heart. Whether you would keep his commandments, his word or not. So he humbled you. Watch this father at work and allowed you to hunger. And fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Notice this in verse 4. It says, your garments did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these 40 years. He says, I protected the outside, but I tested the inside. I brought you into a tight place to reveal what was on the inside of you. I protected the outside. I'm not worried about the outside right now. I want you to see what's on the inside. (laughs) I allowed you to hunger. My wife would slap me in the face if I said, Levi, tonight I'm going to allow you to go to bed hungry. It is your lucky day. I'm allowing you to go hungry. You know, like any three and a half year old, they can eat. I mean, a smorgasbord of food. And then when it's time to go to bed, 10 minutes later, they say, but mommy, I'm hungry. (laughs) Or they say 10 minutes prior, I'm not hungry. I don't want to eat. And then they say, time for bed. But I'm hungry. (laughs) I wouldn't be a good dad to say, well, I'm going to allow you to hunger. But the everlasting father told his children, I'm going to allow you to hunger, to reveal what's on the inside of you. It was interesting because when the Lord spoke to me and said, seek me early and I'll show you and reveal to you my secrets. What the secrets really were were the things that were inside of me. The first thing he showed me when I began, I, 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 I set out to do 40 days of uh, actually I first set out to do 10 days of seeking the Lord early. And I failed my way through that and backslid seven or eight times trying to get up early in the morning and and felt less spiritual than I'd ever felt before. And then and then I made up my mind, OK, I'm going to do uh, uh, 40 days of seeking the Lord early. And and the Lord revealed to me that when my schedule of ministry had evaporated, the Lord revealed to me in my tight place back in April that the main priority and motivation of my relationship with God was motivated by my ministry. And I knew that was true because when I looked at my schedule and all I saw was cancel, 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 COVID, we got to cancel, 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 three months canceled right in front of me. I thought, well, now I don't have any reason to pray. And I realized, oh my goodness, the main reason I was praying to begin with was for my ministry. And now that he's taken it away from me, he says, now, why will you serve me? See, and I I thought it was good to pray for my ministry, and it is to pray for the ministry. It is good to say, God, I'm going into revival at New Life next week. I want to see people filled with the Holy Ghost baptized in Jesus' name. I want to see your miracle demonstrated. But when that became my main foundation and source for following him, it became a problem. So he removed that from me and said, I'm squeezing out of you the things that may be unsavory. And see, what I want to do when he's squeezing me is I want to escape his grip. But if we hold on, 
after we see the unsavory things, you'll see the giftings and callings and purposes that have been inside of you all along. Because it was just on day one of, day of the 40-day journey. I went up this mountain across the street where we were staying in Oregon, and I would drive up this mountain, not hike, not ride a donkey. I'd drive up and uh, a Ford truck, drive up the mountain. And, and uh, on day one, you guys know Brother Josh Herring. He's preached here. He's one of my best friends. And he calls me on day one out of nowhere, and he just says, Chris. Like, yes, sir. What's up, buddy? We talk all the time. He says, the Lord has told me to tell you that when he gives you a dream and you see a bus, it will be a reference to ministry. Okay, bye. That's how our relationship is. On day six, I was frustrated going up this mountain every day, and I hadn't seen angels. Seen angels. I hadn't seen the dead raised. I hadn't seen the fire fall like on Mount Carmel or the glory of the Lord that consumed Moses. I, I hadn't seen what I thought I was going to see. All I had seen was red eyes and a weary body and fatigue and frustration. And on day six, I'm up there at about 4.30 in the morning, and I'm, I'm praying. I'm saying, God. Can you give me some sort of glimpse of confirmation that I'm doing what you wanted me to do? And I'm sitting there praying, give me, give me a, 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 some sort of affirmation. Give me a spiritual hug or something. Just something. I need something. And while I'm praying, my grandmother who lives in South Austin, she calls me and she's a praying woman. She's always praying. And she calls me and she, uh, nope. I messed up that part of the story. I called her. I felt burdened to call her. When I call her, she says, oh, Christopher, I'm so glad you called. She said, I've been praying because I've had this dream, and, and, and I know it was from God, but I don't know what it means. And I was just praying, God, would you send someone to me to interpret my dream? Well, I'm thinking, well, who can I call to interpret her dream? I've never interpreted a dream. I can't even interpret my own dreams. And so she starts telling me the dream, and when she does, I get a text message from a pastor on the East Coast. I'm over on the West Coast. I get a text from a pastor on the East Coast, and I get distracted. Forgive me. I got distracted from my grandmother, and I look at the phone, and the pastor says this to me. He says, Chris, I don't know what you're doing, where you are, or, or what's going on in your life, but the Lord just told me to tell you that he has positioned you to sit still on a mountain, just like Moses, to wait to hear the voice of God. And then he says, P.S., at the bottom, is like a bunch of spaces. I've still got the text. At the bottom, he says, oh, and by the way, God will reward you for diligently seeking him early. Now I'm like talking in tongues. I'm like, there's my hug. Woo! And then I remember Grandma. I said, oh, God, okay. Uh, and she finishes the dream. She says, so what do you think? And I said, you know what? I think I need to hear it again. <laughs> she says, okay. And she starts from the beginning. She says, so I was sitting on a bus. Got my attention. She said, I'm sitting on a bus, and, and the bus passed up my stop. I had my things ready to get off, and it passed up my stop, and I, I was frustrated and confused. Why did it pass my stop? I was supposed to get off back there, and the bus keeps going, and she said, I was about to yell and get mad at the driver, and I look over to the driver, and there's no one sitting there. And she said, all of a sudden, something came over me that I needed to share the gospel. I'm thinking, who do I share the gospel with? I turned to my left, and there's a man sitting on the third row. And I just felt this urge inside of me that said, tell him to read Acts 2.38. So she said, that's all I said. Read Acts 2.38. Read Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. She said, when I finished those words, the bus came to a stop, uh, and I got off the bus. I knew I, I was uh, to get off at this point. I got off the bus, and I looked, and I'm standing at the front of this huge white building. She thought, I'm at the mall. I'm about to go shopping or something. <laughs> she said, oh, no, this ain't a mall. What is this? Where am I? And all of a sudden, she heard a voice in the distance calling her name, Cheryl Green. Cheryl Green. She said, I turned over here, and that lady had a clipboard and looked at the clipboard, called my name again, and said, you're Cheryl Green. 
She said, I've never seen this woman before, but she knew me. I walked up to her. She said, your name's on the list. Come on in. When she said that, all of a sudden, the interpretation came to me. I couldn't, I couldn't hardly speak in English. I was so full of God's spirit. And I said, Grandma, I know what it means. I said, the bus is your ministry. And when Grandpa died in 2011, you thought you were supposed to get off your bus and that your ministry was over. And when the bus kept going, you got confused and said, well, what am I supposed to do? What is this bus driver doing? And when you didn't see a bus driver, that's because the scripture says uh, no one has seen God at any time, uh, that God is a spirit. uh, And the one driving your bus uh, is the spirit of God that you cannot see. I said, and when you felt the urge to share the doctrine of Acts 2.38, that has been your ministry since 2011. I said, you have felt embarrassed, ashamed, and insecure that you're not a pastor's wife anymore, and you can't be there every step of the way for them, but the Lord has unctioned you. Just plant the seed. Tell them Acts 2.38. I'll take care of the rest. I'll put someone else on his bus who will pray them through to the Holy Ghost and baptize them in Jesus' name. I said, and Grandma, when your ministry is over and that bus comes to a stop and you step off of that bus from your ministry, your name has been written in the Lamb's book of life. You're going to make it. You're going home. This isn't in vain. You see, it was that affliction. You can tell me, you ask my wife, I've never, I've never interpreted dreams before. I've never thought I'm going to interpret a dream. But it was in that place, that tight place of distress and affliction that when he squeezed those unsavory things out of me that made me blush and made me embarrassed of why I was really following God and he brought out my weaknesses, I just held on and kept believing until he squeezed the gifting out of me and squeezed the calling out of me that was there the whole time. I never knew it was there. There's giftings inside of you right now. There's callings inside of you right now. That's why sitting right here, the majority of you have sat here week after week or sat online week after week and thought, there's something more for me not that I'm backslidden lost going to hell no I'm saved but there's something more than saved from I know I'm talking to somebody right now you've been coming the last several months and in the midst of this chaos you've thought there's something more And what you've come thinking is maybe pastor will give me the right sermon. Uh, Maybe somebody will give me the right prophecy. Maybe somebody will pray the right prayer. When all along, uh, Paul is writing a letter to his son uh, and saying it's already inside of you. It's already there. There's faith whether you know it or not. There's a gift inside of you whether you know it or not. I know you haven't felt it in a long time, but it's there. Somebody say it's already there. I I got 28 more pages to go, but I just got to stop right here and minister in the Holy Ghost. It's already there. Yeah, but there's addiction. No, but there's calling. Yeah, but there's problems. I know, but there's a ministry that's already there. Yeah, but you don't know what I've been doing. I don't care. There is a calling that's already there. There's a gifting that's already there. You don't need a new calling. You don't need a new gifting. You don't need another faith. It's already there. We got to stop right here and lift up our hands and just stir up the gift that's already there for a moment. It's already there. Lord, stir it up inside of me. That's why if you continue in Deuteronomy 8, when he says, I allowed you to go in the wilderness, I allowed you to be hungry, to reveal what's on the inside, but keep reading. 
in verse 7 it says for the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land a land of brooks and of water of fountains and springs that flow out of valleys and hills I know I revealed the things inside of you that you didn't even know were there but just keep marching keep believing keep praying because I'm bringing you to a good place I'm bringing you to a place where the anointing flows from valleys and hills you see <laughs> there's some anointings that can only flow from a valley but I don't want the valley. I want the hill. I don't want the storm. I want the beach. I don't want this. I want. But there's some anointings that can only come out of that valley. I said there's some. There's some giftings that can only be revealed in the darkness. There's some callings that can only be brought to the surface in a storm. That's why David said. In Psalm 23, yea, though I walk. Watch this. The Lord gave me this this morning, all right? So y'all just stay with me. Y'all already know this psalm, so don't clock, clock, clock out yet. He says, though I walk through the what? The valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. He didn't say I won't be afraid. He just said I won't fear evil. I might be afraid of, of my ability and afraid of the uncertainty and afraid of the... I'm not afraid of evil. Okay, Holy Ghost, here we go. <laughs> you see, the spirit of fear doesn't care what you're afraid of as long as you're afraid. I find it hard-pressed to find an apostolic man or woman of God who is afraid of the devil these days. Even young people, especially at youth camps and different things, they're not afraid of no devil. I don't find spirit-filled apostolic people who are afraid of the devil anymore, but the devil don't care what you're afraid of as long as you're afraid. He says, you're not afraid of me anymore. I'll just make you afraid of each other. I'll make you afraid of each other. I'll make you uncomfortable around each other. I'll spread you out. I'll social distance you. I'll make you afraid of each other. You don't have to be afraid of me as long as I can get that seed of fear in you. But David says, in the middle of my valley, I won't fear any evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Next verse, watch this. He hasn't come out of the valley yet. Thou, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. I might be in the valley, but here comes the anointing in the place of affliction. I will be anointed in the place of darkness. I will find my direction. I may be in the valley now, but look out. The oil's about to flow from my valley. The anointing's about to shut. The glory's going to be revealed from my valley. Isn't it crazy? Isn't it crazy? Saul of Tarsus becomes the Apostle Paul. Scripture says after he was called, he immediately starts preaching. But he was a rookie preacher, which is why the same day he preached, he was running from affliction. Acts 9, it's your homework. After he preaches mightily, <laughs> whoo, man, I can preach. He's a rookie preacher because he hears a rumor, they're trying to kill me. And he gets a few brothers and says, hey, y'all got to help me get out of here. 
And in the middle of the night, they get a basket and lower him down out the window so he can escape affliction. Jump ahead seven chapters. He wants to go to Asia. God says, no. But there's good churches in Asia. No. He wants to go to Bithynia. God says, no. But there's great big churches in Bithynia. No. Go to Macedonia. Massa what? Ain't no churches there. Go. He starts walking with Silas to the province of Macedonia. Arrives at a place called Philippi. And the spirit says, right there. Stay in Philippi. There's a church here. There ain't no church. Oh, there's about to be one. A few days later, after praying every day and fasting, they get arrested, beaten, and thrown in jail. Some God. But something happened from Acts 9 to Acts 16. He didn't say, hey, boys, let's bust this prison open and get out of here. Let, let, let's get a jailbreak going on here. We got to get out of this place. I got a church to build. No. Scripture says at midnight, in the time of affliction, after they had been beaten and shackled up and chained, they just keep on praying. They just keep on believing. And they start singing and praising God. And suddenly there came a great earthquake that shook all the foundations. All the chains were loosed. And all the prison doors were open. Wait. Everybody say, free. He's free. But the next verse says, and the jailer, assuming that the prisoners had fled. Why would a jailer assume that? Because that's what prisoners do when the doors open. But that's not what apostolic, Pentecostal, Jesus-name-believing people do. Yeah, I didn't think I'd get an amen there. Because Paul learned something through those seven chapters. Affliction is my greatest place of anointing. Opposition is my greatest opportunity. The jail doors open and the jailer starts to kill himself. And Paul says, don't harm yourself. We are all still here. All right, I'll preach it. <laughs> we are all here. We're still, not just him and Silas, but they must have converted some of those prisoners while they were there because the prisoners didn't leave either. Paul, Silas, and now their prayer warriors, their disciples stayed there at midnight while the prison doors were saying leave. But God was saying stay. The jailer goes down and Paul prays him through after the jailer says, what do I need to do to be saved? The one who inflicted their wounds was now asking how to be saved. Then Paul goes to his house where he converts the whole house, baptizes them all in Jesus' name. They all get the Holy Ghost. And the jailer who inflicted the wounds is now mending his wounds. Do you see the anointing of affliction now? Do you see where giftings are revealed? That's why Paul, just before he died, okay, we talked about his early ministry. Now let's talk about days before he's executed. He writes a letter to Timothy and says, Timothy, I'm convinced and I'm persuaded that inside, oh God, I feel the Holy Ghost, that inside of you, why did he have to convince him why did he have to take his last ink before his life ended to convince his son who traveled with him, son in the gospel, to travel? Why did he have to convince him? Timothy, I know it's there. Please believe me, Timothy. I saw it. I witnessed your faith. I felt the calling of God on you. I felt the promises of God on you. It's there. You got to believe me, Timothy. There's something inside of you. And so, Timothy, I want you to remember to stir up that gift that's inside of you. And the next verse says, well, the same verse says, well, excuse me, the next verse says, for God didn't give you the spirit of fear. Why did he say that? Because Timothy was afraid of the affliction. God didn't give you the spirit of fear, but he gave you power, love, and a sound mind. Next verse. He says, therefore, therefore means what I'm about to say is contingent upon what I just said. Therefore, 
<laughs> he says, be a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel. And our vocabulary, afflictions of the gospel is an oxymoron because gospel is good news. Afflictions is tight place of distress. How is my tight place of distress good news? He says, don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or the fact that I'm locked up in prison about to die. He said, but be a partaker. Stop running from affliction. Stop avoiding the tight places. Stop retreating when it gets difficult. But absorb. Partake of the afflictions of the gospel. According to the power of God. <laughs> wow. That's why throughout Paul's letters, he started writing about the afflictions. He started writing about the sufferings and all that he's gone through, but says, I didn't give up the race. I pressed toward the mark. He said, I wanted to know him in the power of his resurrection. But before I could know that, I had to fellowship with him in his suffering. I, I used to avoid affliction once they let me down out of the hotel in the middle of the night. But after a few years of learning, I realized that my greatest testimonies came out of my deepest valleys. In our few travels throughout the COVID situation, I have seen saints come to their calling and their ministry. I don't have time to go through it all, but I saw I saw in New York not long ago, up in New York City, a church where we saw over 60 plus people filled with the Holy Ghost on one Sunday. But one, the second greatest testimony of that was the saints who were coming up to me saying, Brother Green, I've never prayed one person through to the Holy Ghost, but today I prayed seven people through to the Holy Ghost, and it was like so easy it was so instantaneous the moment I laid my hand upon them at Pastor Steve Hansen's church in Portland Oregon we were there uh, we were there every six months doing revival and I've never seen this in the last five years of preaching for him but in one of those services there was an altar call going on and all of a sudden a man began to holler and shout rejoicing and, and praising God and, and Brother Hansen went up to him and said what's going on buddy he said I just felt the heat go through my body he said I, I had messed up discs and, and all sorts of muscle spasms and, and all sorts of problems in my back I've not been able to stand up straight for months he said but just a moment ago I felt someone lay their hand on me heat went into my body and I stood straight up and there's no more pain Brother Hansen went and grabbed the microphone and said everybody stop praying who laid hands on this man whoever I thought they was in trouble it went silent he said it again who laid hands on this man literally a man on the back row standing back there who had attended this church for years never been used in, in ministry or preacher or anything like that he slowly raised his hand and said, I, I, I did pastor he said come up here right now he said, when you laid hands on this man's back, a supernatural heat went through your prayers into his body, and he was healed instantaneously. For the remainder of that revival, anytime someone came to me and said, Brother Green, will you lay hands on me? I need healing. I said, no, I won't, but I got someone who will. I'd go grab that saint and say, lay hands on them. They need healing in their body. Why? Because there was a gifting inside of you that through this affliction, through this stress, God brought it to the surface. Would you stand to your feet uh, and somebody just worship the Lord for a moment? Did you know that it was Jesus who never preached a sermon? Hadn't started his ministry yet. In fact, when the Pharisee said, when are you going to reveal yourself to us, your glory? He said, oh, I'm going to do all that, but first I must suffer. Jesus said, but first 
I got to suffer. He was baptized by John the Baptist, got up and went into the wilderness away from the ministry. Forty days he fasted, a tight place of affliction. The affliction revealed his temptations. For he was tempted three times in that place of affliction. The temptation, excuse me, the wilderness revealed his temptation. But in the same token, the wilderness revealed his power and glory. For the scripture says in Luke 4, it says that he came out of that wilderness in the power of the Holy Ghost. 15 says, and he taught in their synagogues being glorified of all. He steps up to a synagogue to teach and the scripture says he grabbed the scrolls and started reading and said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. I've been afflicted for the last 40 days, but 41. <laughs> the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set in liberty them that are bruised and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. It was that tight place that revealed his glory. Raised. Our affliction of April revealed to me when God began to squeeze, you're following me for the wrong reasons. But keep following me and I'll show you what else is inside. And God used me to interpret a dream. <laughs> Most of you know by now that in November, my wife gave birth to our baby girl at 24 weeks pregnant. She lived for 16 days having no issues, no problems. But she was in NICU and she was passing every test and going over every hurdle with flying colors. <laughs> and on day 16, the doctors called and said, you got to get here. Your daughter's dying. We can't, we can't revive her. And we got there to find our daughter gone. She died before we could get there and we held her small little body. As it got colder and colder for six hours, broken. My wife, strong in the Lord, after about five hours, she said, we're not leaving this place until we can praise God, for he gives and taketh away. We laid baby Sansi Ray down for the last time. I went through days where I couldn't pray. Since November the 28th, there have been days that this preacher has not prayed because I didn't know what to say. Because of the brokenness I felt, embarrassed and ashamed of how broken I was when I thought I was so strong. I could go through hell. I could go through anything. And I go through this and I'm shattered pieces on the ground. And After a couple of weeks, I finally feel the presence of the Lord come to me and say, you don't have to intercede. You don't have to travail. You don't have to run or shout. Just sit with me and talk to me. And the revelation that's given me strength right now, other than the fact that your prayers and our pastor's covering and our family and those that have covered us with strength, support, and love that has gotten us through, the revelation is this. In this tight place of affliction, <laughs> there's going to be a gifting inside of me that comes to the surface that I never knew was there. And standing here on this day, I can't tell you what that gifting is yet, but I know that there's something deep down on the inside of me that this tight place of affliction is going to bring to the surface. And I can't wait for that day where I can turn around and make sense of it all and say, that's what it was for, God. That's why you were squeezing me. That's why I went through a storm. I didn't know your anointing could flow in a valley this deep but I look forward to that day when I feel that anointing flow in the deepest valley of our lives would you lift your hands some of you going through the same type of valley would you close your eyes those of you that have been going through a darkness the last several months 
Would some of you close your eyes and begin to lift up your voice for those of you who feel the pressure of that tight place of affliction. Uh, and there was something in your flesh that said, I want to escape. I don't want to be squeezed anymore. I don't want to be broken anymore. But there's a voice of God crying out saying, just stay here a little longer. Will you just watch with me in prayer one more hour as he said to his disciples? Will you just stay here? This garden of Gethsemane, this place of pressing, it'll reveal something in you. It'll reveal a gifting in you. Come on, somebody, just lift up your voice. Oh, God, this darkness has revealed my inconsistency in you. This darkness has revealed the places that I don't have faith. But God, keep squeezing. Keep breaking. God, keep speaking. I know your love is going to bring something to fruition. I know it's going to bring something out of me, God. I don't know what this means, but I feel an anointing of holding on in this place. I feel an anointing of just holding on. You say, I've not gone forward. I've not prophesied. I've not ministered. But you have held on. You're still here. You might have gone back just a little bit. You might have stopped praying for a season. But there is an anointing of holding on in this place. The Lord wants to pour out His Spirit upon you. For those of you watching online, would you lift up your hands? Those of you watching from home, would you lift up your hands and begin to worship the Lord in your home, in the presence of your home? Your home has been a tight place of distress, but the Lord says, I know, I know I'm in charge. I put you there. I led you through this wilderness to reveal what was inside of you. It's not to condemn you. It's to help you because there's coming a calling, a gifting. There's coming a purpose. These are the last days and I'm pouring out my spirit upon all flesh. I need sons and daughters to prophesy. And you don't even know that there's a gifting of prophecy inside of you. I feel the anointing of the Lord upon me right now. In these last days, I need sons and daughters to dream dreams and have visions. But you don't even know that that gifting is inside of you. I need sons and daughters to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. But you don't even know that that gifting is on the inside of you. I need my church to speak to the nations. I need my church to be the salt and light of the world. But you don't even realize what's on the inside of you until you let me squeeze it out come on let them squeeze that spiritual gifting out of you let them squeeze that calling and purpose out somebody grab your family by the hand if you're here with them and say come on let's go to the altar right now and let's declare unto the Lord we're not leaving your throne we're not leaving your valley we're not leaving your storm you said we're going across to the other side and although I'm in a storm right now I'm believing in your word we're going through. We're holding on. We're not letting go. We're not going back. But I'm lifting my eyes unto the hills. I'm lifting up my head to the redemption that's coming unto me. Come on, there's some giftings coming to the surface today. Keep praying in your homes. Keep praying in the sanctuary. If you need to go, you're dismissed, but I want to give a call to this altar right now. I wonder if there's some families, husbands, wives, fathers, mothers, if your children are here. I wonder if you're comfortable with coming to the front. I want you to come to the front right now and stand as a family, as a unit. Stand as a body of believers. I want you to come to this altar today. And I want you to rededicate your commitment to the Lord that says, God, whatever you put me through, whatever you take me through, I, I, I may not feel like going forward, but I declare in my spirit I'm going forward with your grace, with your mercy. For those of you that want to pray in your seat, 
I want you to join us in prayer as you lift up your hands. Those of you at home, please don't log off this. Keep praying. Build your house into a house of prayer right now. Grab your family, your friends, whoever's with you. Let's say, let's go through. I can't do this by myself. We got to do this together. Yeah, the place where gifts are revealed. God is revealing gifts in this place. He's reminding you of that gifting inside of your soul. If you're here today having never received the gift of the Holy Ghost, I invite you to come stand with me. I'm going to stand right here for the next couple of minutes. If you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues, I invite you to come stand right here in front of me. You've never received that gift of His Holy Spirit, as the Scripture says, being born again of the water and of the Spirit. Thank you for coming. There's three men already right here. Who else has never received that gift? Would you come? We're going to pray with them. Here comes another. Here comes another. Oh, there's an outpouring today. Here comes another. I need some altar workers. You know who you are. They're right here. I need some men and women, altar workers. You know exactly who you are who would come and stand with these men and women right here. I want you to stand behind them. Altar workers come, leaders. Woo! I feel the presence of the Lord in this place. Somebody just reach out unto his spirit. Reach out unto his word. Come on, go beyond today. Go beyond today. Go beyond today. For those of you seeking the infilling of the Holy Ghost, we're going to pray with you right now. God is going to fill you up with his spirit, and out of your belly will flow rivers of living water, and you will begin to speak with other tongues as the spirit gives the utterance. Let's pray for them now.
Spirit lives within me. My victory, my victory. Your Spirit lives within me. So I will walk in your peace. Your Spirit lives within me. My victory, my victory. Your Spirit lives within me. So I will walk in your peace. Your Spirit lives within me. My victory, my victory. Your Spirit lives within me. So I will walk in your peace. My victory, my victory, my victory. 